and this one's called Mental Health Tips for Incoming First Year Med Students. I'm here with Kyle, the anatomy scholar at Pacific Northwest, super official title. He's the smartest <laughs> anatomy person at the school, of course, because he's the scholar. But why I, uh, Kyle reached out to me that um, he was a fan of the podcast and about starting your own podcast. And yeah, it was awesome. So I'm really psyched to have you on here. And I think yeah, that you thanks, have man. a lot of expertise because you've just been through more of med school than the rest of us. Our school, at least how it's set up, is we only really see like first and second year med students around and we never mm. really see third and fourth year students. So you're currently a fourth year. Yeah, I call it third and a half year because half I technically year. finished my third year, but we haven't actually started our fourth year. So this is our gap year in between third and fourth year yeah. where we teach anatomy. So, and so yeah. why don't you, for the students that don't go to our school or anyone listening, why don't you quickly describe what really anatomy scholar is? Yeah, so that's basically, think of it as like an interim teaching year. So in between your third and fourth year clinical rotations, um, you come back to the school and you help out with teaching anatomy, as you kind of already talked about. And then we also do some additional things like we do our own research project for the year um, and just try to gain some knowledge in teaching and just uh, just kind of integrate that into our mm -hmm. skills as yeah. a future practitioner. So yeah. yeah, and I got along really well with your predecessors, the Alex yeah. and Andrew uh, scholars. Guys. They were fantastic. Um, and they taught me a lot about anatomy, of course, because I almost flunked to that course. So I was always <laughs> talking to them, getting advice. But more importantly, they also, I feel like, gave me so much like med student and life advice. Um, so oh, gentleman scholar, as yeah. we would always refer to them as. So I think you're going to experience really the same thing, especially with first year med students this year. And that's why I think you're going to be so appropriate to have on the, you know, mental health tips for first year medical students. So thanks again for being here. Let's just dive kind of oh, right man. in. So. I remember, so I'm working in facilities right now. Today was actually my last day. And yeah. we saw all the first year medical students in their orientation week. You know, everyone's dressed to the nines, looking all perfect. And I remember when that was me last year, I was just straight freaking out. Like, <laughs> I do not belong here. Oh my God. I felt like all my classmates had like done cancer research or like gone yeah. to Africa to start some clinic, like all these crazy things. They were way cooler than my qualifications to go to med school. Um, they majored all in biology or like had their masters in pharmacology already. I just felt mm -hmm. totally, totally over my head. And I suffered what many students I would call imposter syndrome. So have you heard of imposter syndrome? Yeah. So mm -hmm. how would you define imposter syndrome? I mean, I would say it's just essentially where you're going to look around and you're just going to feel like you don't fit in. You just, you know that you almost feel like you faked it, right? Like you made it to this point, somehow you got into medical school, but it must have been a mistake. Uh -huh. That you're here and something went wrong in that process and now you're concerned because you feel like you might not be able to, you know, measure up. Exactly. So, like yeah. the admissions committee messed up. Like yeah. they, they definitely looked over my application. Yeah, right. My parents paid them off or something. Like, yeah. I don't know. So were you a traditional pre-med student? Like... I was, yeah. Okay. So I always, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor from uh, high school on. Mm -hmm. um, I was big into baseball when I was in high school. I played a ton of baseball, and I didn't really want to do anything uh, with my life besides play baseball. And then I did like an internship in high school through the local hospital okay. when I was a junior in high school, and that's when I said, "Yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." 
And you just um, digged it. Always since undergrad, kind of. And so through. that's kind of how my experience is different. Is I actually most my experience is different in the sense that um, I actually have done be- progressively better as I've gone through the years. So I actually did better in college than I did in high school. Okay. And I've actually done better in medical school than I did in college. Interesting. Um, and that's just I think mostly because I've had this goal, right? And so I think in high school I didn't really care a lot, so I didn't. Yeah care about school and then I went to college and that's when for me I really hit the wall that I hadn't been prepared for anything Um, but I knew I wanted to be a doctor so yeah I had to really hit the ground running so um, I think that prepared me really well for medical school so what in some ways what some people experience in medical school I feel like I kind of experienced in college and so that kind of helped me adapt a little bit. So did you struggle in undergrad? Yeah terribly yeah I mean Especially the first year. I think a lot of people do, um, but I really slacked off in high school. So a lot of the a lot of the science classes and mathematics uh-huh. classes, um, it was quite the leap. And MCAT too, kind of? Yeah, and MCAT yeah. was a struggle. Um, I did all right there, but yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I've never been that really great student, but I guess that's what's been interesting about my journey is I've actually gotten to be a lot better um, as I moved up, like I was probably in maybe the middle half, maybe even bottom quartile in high school, and I've oh, okay. since moved up to like probably about the top quartile. Dude, so. badass! Nice, yeah. nice. Well, that's awesome. Well, so yeah, why I kind of felt imposter syndrome at least at first is because my pre-med science courses were only at the community college level. Okay. And so I was looking around all these colleagues who like they went to University of Washington or Oregon <laughs> uh, State. University, all these like prestigious science research oriented universities. I'm like, oh my God, like I am over my head. And so, what would you say, at least getting that initial hump, just like try to like not think about imposter syndrome? What would you kind of tell first year med students? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the same. You'll experience the same thing in clinical rotations as soon okay. as you start your third year. I mean, it just never goes away. It, it really doesn't. And it's the same thing when you become a resident, like talking to a lot of the first year interns this year, the first year residents. I mean, it just, you get to this, it's it's the thing they say, right? Fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really kind of have to do that. It's kind of, you just have to say, hey, I'm here. And you just have to be confident in your abilities and say that. I obviously got here for a reason, and I can do this. And you have to believe that, really, yeah. is the big thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I struggled with imposter syndrome, for sure. But I think in many ways, at least at first, it was almost a motivator because I did feel so far over my head. And I felt everyone else around me was significantly mm-hmm. smarter. And if you look at the grades, I think they were. You know, like, <laughs> I, they were kicking my butt. But so at least at first, it was kind of a motivation for me because I was like, man, I got to set my game up because I, I right. you know, and so I, I think it was kind of a good and a bad thing for me because, and the, you hear from the admissions committee, it's like they didn't just accept students based off of GPA or an MCAT score. You know, it's looking at a good quality doctor is so much more than just like a standardized exactly. desk can tell you. So I just think students need to remember that and that we all have diverse experiences and, you know, we all 
came to PNWU or a medical school, if you're just some first-year medical student right. listening, like, you were chosen for a reason, and you deserve to be here. And if, mm-hmm. like, if you couldn't handle it, I remember that, they said this, like, a million times at orientation, if you can't handle it, they wouldn't have accepted you, kind of thing. Like, everyone here is capable of passing. And I think, at least my experiences really speak to that because I was failing at the beginning. Both yeah. both of the major, like, challenging classes are uh, our first... So for anyone listening who doesn't go to a PNWU, or maybe if you're just starting a PNWU, you haven't heard this terrible course, <laughs> SCIFOM, everyone's worst nightmare, Science Foundations of Medicine. It's like biochem and just everything thrown in there. Just memorize everything about everything. It's just, yeah, it's a very challenging, rough. very challenging course. So I remember I was feeling imposter syndrome, and the first big SCIFOM test, I failed. And that's the one that's right before the three-day weekend, right? I think you have a three-day weekend before that. And so you just study the entire weekend yeah. and then I mean, I worked my right? butt off. I did. Yeah, the one thing I, looking back, is like I really don't think I could have worked really all that much harder, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit here and there. But I failed that. I remember the first anatomy test was either shortly before or shortly after that. Failed that too. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was... You know, as a medical student, I think most students hadn't really failed, or at least I hadn't failed much prior to showing up to medical school. And so here I am actually working my butt off, and I failed two major courses. And I think one of the things you're going to experience as an anatomy scholar at first is like, I just failed. I tried so hard. What the hell, man? Like, you were supposed to teach me this. (laughs) Like, but I don't know. So what would you say to students like that? Well, you know, I mean, I think one of the one of the biggest things you have to do when you first fail a test is you have to figure out why. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I always tell people when they come, because I tutored a lot, actually, as a second year student. Um, and a lot of the people I tutored couldn't, they didn't understand why they were failing. And I think usually that was because they didn't, if you don't understand what you're doing wrong, then it's really hard to fix that. So the first thing you need to do is figure out what you're doing wrong. So like I would tell people, you know, like go for your 20 mile run or go home and cry or, you know, do whatever you have to do. Go get pissed off and go Mm -hmm. punch a punching bag for an hour or whatever. And then sit down and figure out like how you can do it better. And I think that's where uh, resources like the scholars and like some of the faculty and um, people like that can give you a good idea of where to go in that direction. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I try to reassure people that, you know, it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. You definitely were not the only one. No, certainly. And there were probably many more people in the exact same situation you were. So just realize that it's, that you're not alone and then just try to figure out how you can adapt, you know, as I'm sure you realize at this point. Yeah. Medical education is all about adaptations. So. Well, I remember going into med school, everyone describes to you like, you know, this is going to take away so much of your life, and, mm-hmm. it, and it does. Mm-hmm. And I still, I knew it was going to be hard, but I still, I think, underestimated quite how hard it was going to be. But I was hesitant to get a tutor, maybe because, like, I just wanted to do it on my own, or, like, I wanted maybe a BS excuse on why I could exercise more or spend more time <laughs> with my fiancé. I don't know, but I remember after failing those first two courses, I signed up for a tutor right away. Uh-huh. And it helped, but I, what I think they really helped me the most with is I was getting so lost in the details yeah. of foundations of science and medicine and also anatomy. I was making all these flashcards that were just like stupid details that didn't really matter, and I wasn't understanding concepts, mm-hmm. and I was getting lost 
just totally lost in all the memorization of medical school. Mm-hmm. So if I showed up to you in that dilemma, what would you say to a student like that? Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of what I encountered with a lot of students that I tutored is they could probably rest it, like they could tell me verbatim the information, but then I would ask them sort of an applied concept of that information and it would just be like blank stare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, especially my experience is more with anatomy. So especially in anatomy, it's all about relationships. So you have to learn how to engage the material more. And I'm sure it's the same in Siphon where you don't just go through and verbatim learn these things. You need to be able to connect them and to relate them to each other. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to come up with a specific example of that. But just learning to engage the material more is really what I would recommend. And obviously there's lots of ways you can do yeah. that. So. And so what I kind of did is I also, sounds weird, but I adjusted my expectations. Yeah, I one, realized yeah. I I had dreams of being an A student in medical school, and I'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen, but I'm being realistic here, uh-huh. you know. I, so I kind of set expectations of like, all right, goddamn, I'm gonna, and that uh-huh. that's kind of really after I got my butt kicked after those first two or three tests of just straight failing. It's like I'm gonna pass. And I remember my uh, advisor called me in. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm worried about you. It was Dr. <laughs> Dr. Lyon. So I can't really do his Irish brogue. He's like, I'm worried about you. Am- amino acids. Are you studying them? You know? <laughs> yeah, like, right. he's, just, he's just trying to trying to get me to focus. And I was just feeling really frustrated because I was just putting so much time and energy into my schoolwork. Right. And I didn't really know what the hell I was doing wrong. And so at least for anatomy, I remember I went to the scholar last year. Mm-hmm. And so what Alex told me, he goes, listen, what I would do is you have to practice... You know, like if you're going to go out there and run a marathon, kind of like you said, like right. you don't do an exercise that's totally unrelated to running. Like you go uh-huh. running. He's like, so for an anatomy test, you should be doing practice questions as much as you can. Right. And so for one of the resources I really liked was um, teachmeanatomy.info. Okay. I'll put that in the bio or whatever. I still haven't figured out how to do show notes. I like say it all the time, but I don't really. <laughs> I'll put it in. I'll put it in somewhere. Teachmeanatomy.info. It's a super good website that had really good practice questions, like kind of softball easy ones, at least ones to start with. But then the BRS board review series anatomy book, I used a ton. And once I started just doing those practice questions, and I would even do them at the beginning before I really understood the concepts, Mm -hmm. that at least laid out to me like what concepts were the most important. And using that method at least brought me up to that 70 and 80th percent of getting on test. So at least right. I was passing. You know, I'm not getting grades here that I think I could be a surgeon, but maybe. But, you know, like it got me know. it got me up to that level cuz at least I was getting just so bogged down with these, you know, 15-page packets and just trying to memorize every single section of right. that packet and I was just really getting lost in the details. And then for SciFOM, I found what do you think of supplemental materials? Um I think they're. I think it it depends on what kind of learner you are, really. Is okay. What it comes down to. I would err on the side of using the class materials, unless it sounds like in your case maybe that wasn't as helpful and you weren't learning from that. And then mm-hmm. I would go to outside materials. I think the issue with outside materials is that you're you're you already need to know this wide range of information, 
And if you use an outside resource, you're then expanding that even a little bit further. Ew. We'll spill this water. He got it. We're you're safely expanding that even a little bit further. And so, I mean, that just increases the amount of information that you might encounter. So they're yeah. good. And especially if you're if you're not learning and not engaging the material as is, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. But I think you just have to be cautious. Yeah. Um, Def- definitely proceed with caution because they're just going to, like, for some tests... I actually kind of look at it opposite. I think if I use supplemental materials, it's sometimes actually less information gets presented to Mm. me because it's more just like just the high yield concepts I feel like in Mm -hmm. those supplemental resources. And I always say like if I only use supplemental resources, there's no way I would get above about a 75 or like it'd be really, really hard on those class examinations. And so what I kind of learned through my experiences is I start out with the supplemental materials and then I add in the school's materials to get like a more detailed, broad picture kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would say I did the opposite. Like I would really start with the foundational stuff and then move out. But again, as you said, when you're focused on the details and if that bogs you down too much, it might be a good idea to go through some of those Mm-hmm. high yield type concepts so, yeah. yeah that's interesting I haven't heard of that and approach, so but. the high yield ones we're referring to if, if you students yeah. out there don't know um, I think first aid obviously everyone yeah. kind of that's like the bible of med school it seems like uh, boards and beyond pathoma sketchy there's like a whole bunch out there yeah. and you'll get them passed down or you'll hear them word of mouth at school I love them you like them but it yeah. seems like we have different relationships and I think we're going on a good point here when I was at working at facilities today, me and my coworker were both second year students and we were talking to these brand new first year students and you know, they just they were like white in the face, scared, like, oh my god, like sci-fi's starting on Monday, like just terrified. It was really hysterical to see them like that. But they were just asking advice. And so we were doing kind of exactly what we're doing here. Right. And we both were talking about how we succeeded in medical school, but it was in totally different ways, like uh-huh. totally different approaches. Uh-huh. And that's okay. You know, like, I feel like students think that their way is better than someone else's way, but really you have to find what works for you. And I hear that all the time. So what would you say to that kind of concept? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing about medical school is it's trial and error. There's nothing that's going to work for you first time. If you get something first time, the next thing that comes along is going to be, you know, the thing that doesn't work. And so just finding resources that you know, you can learn from. I think you just touched on five of the biggest resources, and I definitely used a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like we talked about, um, I would start with the material at school. And also, just coming back to one of the things you were talking about, uh, you mentioned um, kind of setting your expectations, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one of the huge things that I wanted to emphasize is any you know at the beginning of the year you look around and there's 140 students and no one ever really thinks about this but everyone wants to be the top of the class Mm -hmm. right like everyone wants to be number one yeah but you really need to set your expectations and i think that's what like we've kind of talked briefly about burnout in the past Mm -hmm. and i think setting expectations is huge and learning how to shift those expectations like if you're really set on being the top in the class maybe you should shoot for the top 25% because there's not a lot of difference there. Or if you're you're like, hey, I want to succeed in med school, you should maybe shoot for the top 50%. Or if you're like, hey, I just want to learn 
as much as I possibly can, which I feel like is a better mm-hmm. goal than trying to fit into a percentile, than just say, hey, I'll be happy passing the exam and I'll just try to learn as much as I can along the way. So uh, kind of along the lines of expectations, I think that's a huge, a huge thing that you need to set for yourself ahead of time because otherwise you're just setting yourself up to fail and to be upset about yeah. every little score you get. Because as you know, there's tests every day. And Yeah. And us, you, <laughs> you know, as med students, prior to med school, we've all been that top dog student, yeah, you know, right. so it's, I think, at least I wasn't used to, and many other of my colleagues weren't used to being in the bottom 25 percentile. Right. I know what that feels like. And, you know, it is what it is. And so I, I had to adjust my expectations, because at the beginning, I just... I wanted to, you know, like finish top 30% Mm -hmm. or whatever, or just try to do my best. And what I realized is I've, I've experienced burnout this year. And so let's definitely kind of talk Mm -hmm. about that. And I've, I knew this prior to medical school and I had many doctors that I shadow even tell me don't go into medicine just because it is one of the, I think it's the highest or the career with the highest suicide rate. Yeah. I think dental might surpass it. Yeah. It's either way. There's a lot, a lot of doctors hate their lives. Uh, really high divorce rate, um, substance abuse rate. It's just, despite getting paid well, despite uh, literally saving lives, like people, doctors aren't happy with their career choices. And so my real expectation and my goal for medical school and being a physician is just like liking my life and being happy and like still being successful, of course, and helping many people. But like, I still want to have a successful marriage. I want to be a father one day. Um, you know, show my cats a better life. You know, they, <laughs> right. they deserve right. it. But, you know, but so I think like it's setting what your real goals are because it's what I, me and my friends always joke around. So once you're in medical school, it's like you could sing like DJ Khaled, like you made it, bro. Like you're winning. <laughs> it's fine. You know, like you'll be a doctor. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and we don't have to have this crazy mentality of cutting each other down and being like top dog. You know, it's like you're in, chill. This is yeah. the end of the road. Yeah, and that's another, I mean, that's another really good piece of advice, too, is just, I think, like you said, a lot of people come in as kind of the alpha Mm -hmm. coming in, but once you get to medical school, you need to make friends. You need people around you that are supportive of you and supportive of what you're doing, Mm -hmm. and you need people, especially in your class, who are going to help you, because as much as you can be an on-your-own-studier and not be into group studying you need to have people to rely on and there are going to be times when you need study partners. So, I mean, you need to move from this mentality of like, I do everything by myself too. I need Mm -hmm. a group to help me get through this, which is kind of... Well, I feel like your classmates are the only, not the only ones, I shouldn't say that, but I try to have conversations with like my parents, my sister, and even my fiance about just like what the burnout feels like in med school and what the what it's like getting quizzed every day on something. And it's just, if you're not in medical school, it's hard to really know what that feels like. So at the end of the day, your classmates are your best resources, your best confidants, the best way you can kind of build a community. So, you know, I, I get really saddened when I see students who don't have many friends, you know, so mm-hmm. I just try to encourage really everyone. Like, you know, I know 146 doesn't sound like a lot of people, but I think everyone in the class can make friends with one another and be yeah, at least respectful definitely. and like support one another. Oops. Oh man, how unprofessional. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. All right. So let's kind of talk about burnout. When I started experiencing burnout, I remember, 
It was, uh, there's like a hell week of first year of med school. <laughs> I don't remember that. When oh, God. That? You must have amnesia or like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably blanking. I, out, I remember it all too well. It's like uh, you have a clinical test on a Friday, uh, a SIFOM test, a Farm 99 test, and uh, anatomy test, like all within six uh, or seven class days of each other. It's just absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And I remember for that stretch of time, I completely stopped exercising. I like, you know, I would see my wife ish, but I'd be like, I'm going studying. Don't talk to me. Like we, right. we can eat for 10 minutes tonight, but then I'm back to studying. And I was sacrificing everything in my life for studying. And I absolutely had no balance. And, right. you know, it's, it's hard to say because, because I put in all those hours, I eventually, I did pass all those tests. But I really started to resent medical school mm-hmm. and like, well, why did I do this? Like, this isn't fun at all. Like, this mm-hmm. is just not enjoyable. And I started experiencing depression because I wasn't exercising, like I wasn't sleeping as well. So I was having all those issues of my bipolar disorder start to co- sort of, you know, cultivate. So how would you advise students who are really starting to maybe experience some burnout or just lose complete balance in their life? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough battle. It's like you talked about. I mean, I think it depends where you're at. If you're failing all your courses, it's hard to just say, go take time off. Now, that being said, that might be what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think balance is huge. It's just how you find that balance. It's kind of like Dr. Elliott says, it depends, right? I mean, if you're failing, I don't know that the best idea is just to take the entire weekend off. Mm-hmm. But you need to find some way to detach from medical school. And like you talked about how uh, medical students, you know, in your class are the only ones who really understand. I feel like that that made me think of another thing where you get in this kind of habit in medical school where all you talk about is medical school. Like I remember going out with a few of my friends and some medical school friends and we just, we went out to some bar or something and completely alienated them because all we did the entire time was exactly. talk about medical school because you you just you know it's your entire life at yeah. this point and so towards that end it's important to detach yourself from that and so you may not be able to take the full weekend off but you need to start setting time aside that you say I'm going to take off my medical student hat and I'm going to yeah. just you know be you know there for my wife or be there for my cats who need me yeah. a lot. You know? Yeah, you know, <laughs> they need some support. You know, they've been talking to me a lot. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a future psychiatrist. Yeah. They talk to me about their depression. The other right. day. But jokes aside. But yeah, I mean, you commented when you walked in my office slash studio here to my right. skis and to my, like, golf clubs and stuff. Like, even though I'm a medical student, I never want to stop golfing and skiing. Like, that's what makes me happy. And same with, like, spending time with my wife. And I certainly, with medical school and as a physician, I'm never going to be able to do any of those things as much as I probably want. But I know if I stop, I'm going to hate my life. Mm -hmm. And so I I really think it's all about trying to find that balance of trying to just schedule, okay, like I'm not going to play three rounds of golf this week. I'll play one round of golf on Saturday. Or, you know, I can't binge watch with my (laughs) fiance 15 episodes of Scrubs. Okay, let's watch two tonight two or three you know and so that's really I tried to like set more like dates in my calendar specifically for my wife just to try to balance that out and also I I realized when I stopped exercising completely how much that actually helped my focus and my ability to memorize things Um, because before when medical school 
first started, I was actually exercising, I think, a little bit too much. Uh-huh. Because uh, before, or when I got in, you know, everyone's throwing parties and stuff. And so the whole summer I was drinking. And then I moved from Connecticut to Washington. And so that whole move, all you're doing is eating like Taco Bell and Wendy's right. and stuff. And osteopathic medical students, you'll soon find out if you haven't already, you're basically topless the entire year. <laughs> you know, you're doing osteopathic manipulative uh, medicine, and so you have to be okay with your body. And, you know, I'm an overweight male. You know, you, when you have man titties, you're a little self-conscious, <laughs> especially when there's, like, all these cameras and stuff. Uh, and I'll tell you the story of belly button lint after this. Yeah. It was just absolutely horrid. You know, so I was, I think, medical students have to really find that balance of exercising not too much and being self-conscious about their body or you know they but you can't not exercise at all because it really does have so many beneficial beneficial benefits benefits on your brain with memorization and focus and just you know fighting off any depression yeah, and that kind of goes back to this idea of like you need to do something fun for yourself now I mean, if exercise, if you don't enjoy exercise, if you're burned out, I wouldn't go exercise. Like, I don't think that's going to help you. Um, But kind of like you talked about, I mean, I'd say if exercise is important to you, make it a habit. And if exercise isn't important to you, I'd still try to make it a habit Um, just because it's so important. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think think another thing that I would say is – I was thinking about when you said uh, if you're failing right now, you might not be able to set something. You might not be able to just take off right at that point. But one thing I did, too, is I would set when I start to get burned out, I would set something up in the future. I'd be like, okay, well, a month from now, I'm going to plan to do this, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in addition to those everyday life things that you can do to make your life more enjoyable, Mm -hmm. um, you can set up an activity like for me. Uh, it was kind of probably two thirds to three quarters of the way through my first year. I started to get really tired and just, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah. yeah, you just kind of get over it. You kind of, you know, the luster of yeah. medical school kind of yeah. wears off and you're just grinding. Um, and so I actually got really into triathlon at that point. And oh, that okay. was my goal for the, for after the first year summer was to do a big half Ironman triathlon. So, okay. um, it ended up being a balancing act trying to stay up with my studies, but it definitely helped in terms of my mental health to just and so, stick with it. And so, you know, that seems like a big, obviously that's like an endurance kind of thing. Yeah. So how did you, like, schedule that sort of training throughout medical school? It was school? tough. What, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I think in the end, I probably lost a little bit of mental acuity. Like, I got okay. tired, you know, yeah. towards the end when I was putting in. Did your grades go down? No, I, I kind of just hung there, yeah. um, but I think the last system, I don't remember what the last system, or the respiratory yeah. system, I remember when I was going through board second year, that was one of the systems that I was a little bit weaker in, and okay. I remember thinking to myself, hey, this is probably because I was riding my bike a ton, and yeah, yeah, running a ton, but uh, yeah, it's just balance, right? I mean, you can't be on 100% of the time, and in the end did it affect my board scores or did it affect my board studying? No. I mean, I think you're going to realize, especially you this mm-hmm. year and especially first years, there are systems and there are months where you're really on and there are systems when you're just, you forget. You know, you're yeah. like, where, what, when did we learn that? I don't even remember. No, exactly. That, so, 
But one thing you mentioned earlier, it's like the going out to the bar scenario. And my wife, I always say wife, because whatever. Wife, fiance, we're getting married in a month. That's fine. Um, she always reminds me of like, will judge me at the bar and stuff. Because I'll go out with my medical school friends. And just like you said, we'll only talk about medical school. Because we're all so passionate about it. You know, there's a lot that we can beef and complain about or funny stories, whatever. But I think that what's so important and we, we keep kind of dancing around is like you have to develop other passions in medical school like to succeed in medical school you're going to be passionate about medicine if you aren't passionate about medicine you wouldn't have gotten in in the first place but you that can't be you can't be like a one-faceted person like you have to have other things and so like for you it might have been you know competing in a triathlon or for me it's just like skiing new places or trying to lower my handicap or try new restaurants out around town in Yakima with my wife like you just have to still develop other aspects of your life because if you're just a one aspect person you're going to grow to I think really hate it yeah and I think I mean hopefully you don't become that as a doctor I mean I don't I try not to pass too much judgment on a lot of the doctors I rotated Mm -hmm. with and I obviously rotated with some incredible physicians but every once in a while you run across a physician that uh is either just really into their work or doesn't have a lot of hobbies and that just becomes their life and some of them really enjoy it and that's the way they want it but you'll see occasionally this doctor who seems to be working all the time yeah and they don't seem to be happy and kind of makes you you realize i don't want to be that person right so i mean that's why it's really important to invest in things outside of school yeah well so we've been talking a lot you know it seems like we've been talking mostly about kind of exercise as a way to improve your mental health in medical school. And I think that's one of the great ways, one of the easiest ways. What are other things that you think are important ways you could improve your medical mental health while in medical school? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of nutrition as well. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm a big fan of all the boring things, really, is what it comes down to. Like, one of my things when I started medical school was I said, I'm going to eat as well. Like, I'm, you know, I love eating you know Mm -hmm. a good greasy hamburger whenever I can but I'm going to try to eat in general pretty good food and my goal is I'm going to sleep eight hours a night because I you know that was important to me and I'm going to exercise so aside from exercise I really just tried to go out and eat good meals and I like cooking so Mm -hmm. I make a ton of food and just find new Mm -hmm. recipes Um, and then I just I slept a ton like I, I liked going out with people, but, you know, there were times when I just sacrificed that and I would just go to bed early. And I well, think it I really... Well, I think that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, I think you do. And I think having that balance, right? I mean, you can't... You got to learn sometimes to be like, you know, I'm just going to sleep six hours a night or five hours a night and go out with my friends and mm-hmm. have a good time and not worry about it tomorrow. You know, I'll catch up on the weekend. But, you know, yeah. this is medical school now and... Hopefully you're a responsible adult and there are times when you have to just say, hey, man, I'm freaking tired. I just got to go to bed. Yeah. So. And I really think like once you hit medical school, it's like that transition of, listen, like I know we're not doctors yet, but you almost have to think of yourself as one. Like we're professionals mm-hmm. and you got to take this serious. And at first I wasn't, you know, at first I was socializing too much, you know, and it, it was great. I, I really loved loved my classmates and got to know some of my classmates. But like you said, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to stay up a little later. I'll get a beer with my homies and mm-hmm. I'll study tomorrow, you yeah. know, or at least for me, n- not so much socializing, but I was consuming way too much caffeine. Right. And so like I was losing out on quality sleep. It's kind of exacerbating some of my anxiety and 
Because I kept thinking like, oh, this is going to help me with my studying. But, you know, when you're late night studying, at least for me, at like 10 or 11 at night with some caffeine to kind of keep you going, it's not quality studying. And then you're just going to ruin your sleep for that entire night. So you kind of called them the boring things. And, (laughs) you know, it is. And it's, but at the end of the day, I always say like, when I talk in a lot of times on this show about mental health, like everyone thinks of medication, everyone thinks of therapy. But really what I say is the three things that are in your control, and they're probably the hardest to control though, are the exercise, diet, and sleeping. And yeah. if you can get on a good regimen and good quality in each one of those categories, like you're going to notice better benefits with your mental health, but also maybe even like your mental abilities, you know, just with able to memorize things, with able to just stay motivated throughout the day. Um, that's awesome, man. I, I wish I was more disciplined <laughs> as you, to be honest. But I know this coming year, I'm going to have to be. And yeah. because it's just this the looming thing that all students have sort of heard about from the beginning, and it's a little bit more serious for me now, is big board testing. Right. And I know that's going to bring on a totally new stress in medical school for second year. Because at least going into the renal system, you know, on, on Monday... I at least know how to study now, and I at least know what I need to do to prepare myself to pass the classes and be happy, but boards. I have to memorize everything that I've already previously learned and at this massive test that I'm going to be taking in June. So I I saw a lot of second years freaking out around like April. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones who didn't study. Yeah, I didn't prepare. So did yet. you freak out before boards? Oh yeah, okay. I mean there are a handful of people that I want. Uh, tell you their names so you could ask them but yeah like uh there were people that could attest to that for sure some family and friends that yeah. just you know utter panic i mean kind of like you said you kind of revert to that your first year self where you're like i don't have time to study i can't uh-huh. talk to my girlfriend or my wife i can't yeah. do anything i just have to study and you kind of have to get over that again like okay it's just a test it's yeah you know not the end of the world um, and the other thing I was going to say, just as another tangent to, um, and this is kind of the clinical aspect, right? Like you're talking about, I got to buckle down because I got to do boards. And I guess what I would add to that too is as having gone through 30 year rotations now, I think it's tough because in the first two years you're at school and it's important, but you know, you kind of get in this cycle where it's like, you just have to go to class and you can stay out late and do whatever, mm-hmm. but you get to third year rotations and you're taking care of patients, you know, and it's like, it gets real very fast. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you just have to learn to, like you said, develop a good schedule, sleep, eat, you know, exercise, do those things because there will come a point where you'll be managing people's care and you'll have their life in your hands. So, I mean, although sometimes first and second year can be kind of silly and you can kind of, Goof off. Goof off. 100%. I mean, I don't want to yeah. say it, but you can goof yeah. off. I, I mean, mean when be, you... there was periods of first year where we have Fisher Park Golf Course <laughs> right. right down the road here yeah. for seven bucks. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I would play like four or five times a week. Yeah. Like, come on. I, I can't do that all the time. And I was 100% goofing off just loving life, though. Happy right. as a clam. But, yeah, that being said, like, I think there's always... I think transitions in... Even if you're not a medical student, just transitions with any part of life is hard. Right. And so, at least for me this year, I'm I'm really concerned about board testing. And at least mm-hmm. I know one thing for me to improve my long-term memory that I can improve is just sleep. And because I never sleep eight hours a night. 
And but I know if I start to get my body and schedule through that, and it might take me a full ten months, I'll be mm-hmm. better prepare, prepared for boards. Totally. And also waking up early, um, you know, for thirty rotations, getting there at six or seven in the morning whenever I do have to get there, because that's just not my my schedule as right. a first and second year medical student. Yeah. Because um, at least for me, I, I didn't. I don't go to class. Yeah. I mean, we have. Uh, if you guys don't go to Pacific Northwest and you're listening, we have a recording software that I think most medical schools use yeah, these days, where you can view all their lectures online. I find that much, much easier for me to study because, you know, my brain will kind of go off in la-la land and I'm able to pause the video, kind of go do my own thing, run around the house, pet my cats, come back <laughs> and and listen to the video, or the, um, let's call it the video podcast, the video lecture on whatever topic would be. Now, what what's your advice? Do you Did you go to class or did you not go? Yeah, I did. I went to class probably more than most people. Um, but I did both. I usually ended up watching the lecture as well. So that, I think that's too why I didn't use a lot of outside resources is because for me, it was just repetition of the same material. So I didn't go to all classes, but I would go to a lot of them and I'd sit there and I'd have my standard, whatever I do, go through the notes and then I'd come home and I'd rewatch it and review my notes and then add notes. And so it's like, for me, it was just this process of, repeating the information a couple times um so yeah i think again it's it just depends how you do it you know and i definitely knew tons of people who did the same thing as you did and were also very successful so i think identifying that early on and don't be afraid to try both of them you know because a lot of people say oh i could get so much more done if i Mm -hmm. stay home but then you stay home and it's really hard i don't know if you've experienced this but it's really hard to keep up with the hours of lecture yeah. if you're watching them because you take a half an hour break in between and then you do something and then like eight hours later, you've only gotten through five hours. So yeah. that's the benefit of the class is that it causes you to continue to... Yeah, to continue it's, to I, I definitely... And one, I guess I haven't really talked too much on this topic. For first years, it's it's weird saying this, but I didn't figure out really how to study probably until about... March, probably April, maybe. Because mm-hmm. at first, like at first I was going to every side from all anatomies, those kind of things like that. Always, always present. And then I did eventually switch to the method you were talking about where I never, ever went to class kind of thing. Yeah. And what I was doing is exactly kind of the pitfall you're talking about. Is I would fall behind in lectures, I would get lazy, play some FIFA, you know, chill out, <laughs> yeah. video games. But towards March and April is when I kind of figured out, like, I set my schedule out perfectly. Like, what lectures did I need to go over that day? What upcoming CIL did I have? What lectures did I need to really master? Because at least for me, I wanted to almost go over those lectures that were for the CIL like two or three times right before that CIL. So Mm -hmm. I could do well on the quiz at the end. And a lecture that I could put off until tomorrow, I just was able to better prioritize towards March and April. But... I think we keep kind of repeating the same thing. Like you just have to try many different methods, but also allow yourself to fail and not do okay. And like you're gonna fail. I think everyone in medical school, even the first person in our class, has probably failed something. It's right. just it's just the nature of medical school. And it goes back to what you were talking about. I mean, I think when you do fail or when you don't do as well as you want, at least mm-hmm. you just have to kind of re-examine and say, well, what didn't work for me? And if you can't figure that out you need to find someone who can help you work through that. But I mean, like you said, it's like 
you can watch all those lectures, but you have to kind of triage those lectures and you have to put them in order of importance. And obviously for you, that was a huge leap um, of where you got to be a more effective yeah. studier. So, yeah. yeah. So now at least we'll kind of conclude here. But last kind of topic, did you have any friends, anyone you knew? Maybe no, that, no friends. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> did you have anyone you knew in medical school? that did start to experience maybe a bit more severe depression or burnout and what did you sort of advise them to do um you know luckily my the people that i was really close with actually did pretty well we had it similar to what i was talking about finding a group there are about seven or eight of us who got uh -huh. together and were really close and we would go to lunch a ton and we'd go hang out after school and we would sit by each other in class. And mm -hmm. so we had a really strong network. So, I mean, things happen. I think there were lots of things, lots of things happen in your life that you can't control outside of med school mm -hmm. um, that people experience. And so kind of just being there for them in that aspect. Um, but as far as school, I think I was one of the lucky ones in that yeah. most people in my immediate group of friends actually did okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't have a ton of experience. And that's fine um, too. Yeah, and, and maybe so. that's part of the reason why you had so much success is that you did have that close right. group of friends is because at least with my study method, you know, I wasn't at school every day. And so I didn't have maybe that same social network that you necessarily had or other people to rely on or constantly always checking in on you. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, at the beginning of med school, I told everyone that I had bipolar disorder. So clearly I think people talk to me mm -hmm. about these kind of issues. So just, we haven't talked about it too much today, but if you are, you know, starting to feel really burned out and depressed, I would at least, you know, there's there's school counselors, there's physicians in whatever town that you're going to be at. But even before you talk to a counselor, remember you can talk to classmates. Right. And your classmates are going to be there to understand. And I hope that they do encourage you to seek out therapy or a physician if, if needed. But your classmates are such an incredible resource and just an incredible means of support of understanding really exactly what you're going into. So uh, I think that's kind of a good way for us to conclude here, yeah, man. Anything else you great. want? No, I thought I was going to hear the belly button story or something you were talking oh, about. Oh, no, yeah. Well, well uh, God, that would be over another podcast. So you got to get a couple beers and maybe we're going to get that story out of here. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Well, yeah, thanks man, for thanks again me. for uh, coming on. This is, uh, this is awesome, and we'll have you back for maybe some more triathlon stories. Yeah, sounds great. All right, man. Hell great. yeah. And that is a wrap on episode 12. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know I did. I had a great time talking to Kyle. And today was actually really my first time talking to Kyle. So that was pretty cool. New news on the podcast front. We are now on Spotify. No big deal. If you guys use Spotify instead of any of the other podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever... It's now on Spotify. So search Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. Please follow me on Instagram at, at Logan Noon, spelled with an E at the end. Please give a rating for the podcast. Share it with your friends. But thank you so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. You guys make this so much fun. Thanks again. The I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. 
Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.